What's up? It's your pal Wenchik Estoticus, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode we take a look at a fanfiction or a collection of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. I'm bringing back the Rare Pairs series for one more episode because we love and appreciate Rare Pairs on this podcast, and I hope that by covering them, I will be able to convert you to Rare Pairism. Perhaps you will find a new favorite ship today, who knows? Today's fucked up Omita rating is a 10 out of 10 for murder and graphic hate sex, but like, not until later. As usual, we'll start off with the lighter stuff and get to the more graphic content later. Mostly, I just have some gay boy pairings to offer you today, but shout out to Yuki, which is less of a rare pair than I would have expected for giving Sokka the Mako treatment. So let's dive right in with a short selection about three dilves. And I will not stop saying dilves. It makes grammatical sense. So this first one is a fic where after the war, the gang's just vibing in the palace courtyard and drinking some stolen wine. And they're playing a game where they decide if the members of the White Lotus are hot to other old people. And Suki be roasting Zhang Zhang's mushroom hair look. Zuko is not allowed any input on the matter considering his own past hairstyle choices. And they rate Paku as being hot to other old people because Grand Grand wanted a piece of that, right? I mean, he's their new granddad. I don't really get why that happened because she literally ran to the opposite side of the world to be away from him. But if she got back with him, it must prove that he's still hot or that he can still get it up by bending all the blood to his cock. And then they decide to rate Piandao. I'm sorry, I will never remember how to pronounce this man's name, but this is when Hakoda just waltzes up without them noticing, and he lets out a big old, oh yeah, he's hot. And Sokka and Katara are like, Dad, ew, why would you say that? And then when he goes back to the adult side of the party, Suki's like, we know your dad's banging Bato, so we know he has a type. And everyone is all grossed out that Hakoda has sexual desires, even though he's their dad. And it ends in a water fight. Anyway, the dad ew content will ramp the fuck up in today's final selection, but we have some other content to get to first. I want to cover a Jet Sokka fic, but most of them were just threesomes or poly relationships with Zuko, or they were Omegaverse. So when I saw that this fic was tagged as canon compliant, I just jumped on it. And it was well done. I kind of wanted to narrate it, but eh, nah. I thought it was interesting too that it was written from Jet's perspective, and it keeps things really in character. So basically, Jet can tell when people don't like his ass. Wonder if he can tell that I don't like him all the way from his place in the second dimension. So Katara is too easy to sway and Aang is too, and they're, they're just young and naive, but Sokka, he's hesitant and distrustful, just like Jet. So of course Jet likes the challenge. So he sits down to him one night just to vibe, and he strikes up a conversation, and Sokka's immediately like, what the fuck do you want from me? Why are you talking to me? What's the ulterior motive here, buckaroo? And he tells Jet to just ease off his sister, and we get this exchange. Oh, Jet tries not to read too much into the malice in Sokka's tone, talks it up to brotherly safeguarding, but there's an edge of something there that he's tempted to poke at, and he's never really been one to deny himself. Don't worry, there's no need for you to, to go protecting her honor. Sokka scoffs, just don't be a dick, okay? It would be a lot easier to like you if you just did that one little teensy thing. 
and defy my very nature? This time, Jed is rewarded with a snorting laugh. Sokka seems to regret being amused immediately as he coughs to hide it, turning his face away. Got him! Jed thinks he gets it, though. Sokka's the older brother, likely weighed down with monolithic expectations from himself and others. He wears his hastily constructed masculinity like a shield, like proof that he's capable. Jed understands that, clinging to what little say he has in a world that's wrestled all control from him. Jet wants him to know he doesn't have to do that here, that at least at this moment, some of that burden can be shared. So whatever, he'll do it. So that's the end of the quote. Jet takes out his little mouth weed and they kiss and Sokka's very confused, but Jet is all cool and suave about it. And Sokka's like, all right, that just happened, but I still don't trust you, buddy. And Jet understands that they must go their separate ways. And he knows that Sokka still doesn't like him, but he knows that if their paths may cross one day again, he has a chance with them. So yeah, I like that this one was canon compliant and wasn't just porn or, or modern AU. I, I think it, I don't know, they pulled it off. I liked the contrast between them um, and Jet being a fuck boy, but like in a less gross way than he usually is. So let's move on to talk about our only straight pairing on this episode. This is a fic that pairs Azula with King Kui and takes it seriously. Like you wouldn't think that shipping a bloodthirsty city conquering 14 year old with a useless figurehead would work out romantically, but they've managed to pull it off. So in this AU, Azula stays to govern over bossing say even when Zuko may entirely all go home. Well. The city is, she renames it New Ozai now, which I thought Omashi was already New Ozai. I, I guess it's just like an Alexander the Great thing where he just named cities Alexandria wherever he went, except Azula's beholden to her father, who's also low-key kind of useless. Uh, maybe once you go conquer shit yourself, you can name cities after yourself Ozai. Until then, I think Azula should be able to name cities wherever the fuck she wants. So anyway, as one would expect, the citizens of... of new new ozai newer ozai i'm gonna call it newer ozai are not thrilled about the fire nation occupation and some riots break out so for once kui decides that he wants to be useful and he steps up to quell them because who's gonna put down the riot azula nah she'd just make things worse if she tried and people are sick of hearing from the fire nation anyway they're more likely to listen to their own king so apparently the riot started because a fire nation soldier was hitting on an Earth Kingdom shopkeeper. So Ku tells them about all the history of marriages between Earth Kingdom and Fire Nation citizens because they had mingled in the centuries before the war. And Azula's like, whoa, that can't be true. We never deign to breed with those peasants. But she's like, hmm, father lies, perhaps? And Kui finishes off by telling them that, oh, maybe we should act civilized and not riot anymore because that would just prove their beliefs about us to be true. Um, personally, I think that rioting against imperialist colonizers is very cool and sexy, but I'm also pretty impressed by him in this scene. Like, look at him actually having political skills, putting that history degree to use. You go, Kui. I don't know if he actually has a history degree, but I guess that's his thing. He knows a lot about of stuff, even though he doesn't really uh, do anything. He and Azula even visit some of the children who were orphaned and injured because of the riot. And one of them comes up to her and Azula's like, this child's not afraid of me? What? What is this place? And some of the palace servants end up taking in the children. Uh, so they get to vibe some more. And Kui's also very nice to Azula personally. 
she gets some new earth kingdom clothes and he's like you looking fly as hell my good bitch and he even designs a little turtle duck pond out in the palace garden to remind her of home and she realizes that she's not really homesick she likes it here and she likes how ozai isn't around to be like you fucked up one of the ten thousand firebending moves you know you are a failure to this dynasty next azula gets a letter from zuko telling her that ozai is planning to roast and toast the earth kingdom to a crisp and azula's been living there for the last few months getting to know people ruling the city firmly but fairly and she realizes that the earth kingdom citizens are just all people like her and a lot of them are kids just like the kid who came up to her and wasn't scared of her so she's like hmm maybe genocide bad and kui walks in on her having a bit of a breakdown and they hug it out and you know what this gave me some fifis just because no one's there for her when she has her mental breakdown in the show but here she still has a friend that is what fanfic is for so the comet comes and iroh shows up in the earth palace Azula has evacuated most of the citizens with Kui's help and she tells him how much she wanted to be like him when she grew up but actually she's better than him because she actually succeeded in taking over Ba Sing Se and ruling it alongside the Earth Kingdom officials and she gives him a real shock when she burns the Fire Nation flag like oh yes and another reason I'm better than you I realize that imperialism is bad as a teenager and not as an adult man who had already committed numerous war crimes so the wars ended and Kui wants Azula to be the Fire Nation's ambassador to Ba Sing Se, but she's like, no thanks, I think I'd rather be your betrothed. And so, uh, yeah, we get Azula and her less useless than anticipated little soft boy husband. I kind of like her being really protective over his little scared ass. There's an epilogue where she's the Earth Queen and has a daughter with him, and it ends with Ursa showing up to reunite with her. So obviously this went a lot deeper than just a shipping fake. And the ship, you know, it was not that gross in spite of the age gap because he's like, he's so naive anyway. But it was like a study of her character, how things might have been different if she'd stayed to rule over Bossing Say and had some unconditional support from someone who was really nice in her life. And I like the world building aspects with Kui's knowledge of history. And the scene with Iroh was pretty cool too, because you don't get to see that many comparisons between him and Azula. And okay. I, this this given me an appreciation for a scary wife, soft husband dynamic in fiction and in life. Like, you'd already think I'd have an appreciation for this, considering how blatant I am about my love for dominatrixes, but I have learned something new about myself today. So I thought this was nice. I want this for her. She deserves to be loved. So let's move on to some darker stuff and with another fic about king kui this author's note says quote i'm sorry this has to exist but also it's inevitable that someone would write it so i guess that person had to be me it really do be like that sometimes though <laughs> it really do so this is a king kui and long fang fic uh seems like a logical rare pair but this was the only fic i could find on ao3 for it Recently, Long Fang has been accompanying the king at all times just to flaunt his power. So anyone who has to deal with Kui has to deal with him. And sometimes he just will put his hands on Kui <laughs> while the whole court squirms uncomfortably. And Kui doesn't notice shit. 
At least that's what Long Fang thinks. So recently, Kui has been treating him like a buddy and a pal, inviting him into his personal life too. Like the king's just hanging out on the floor with his pet bear when Long Fang comes in, and Kui's like, hey, "Am I pulling my weight around here?" And Long Fang doesn't want him up in his business, so he's like, "Yeah, you're doing enough. Just relax. I have you covered." But like more seriously and sternly than I'm saying it. And Kui's been noticing that he's acting weird. He keeps asking about his behavior, even though Long Fang insists that he's fine. And Long Fang is surprised by the pushback. It's very rare for Kui. And Kui says, if you have fee-fees for me, you know, that's fine. I'd be willing to try a relationship. And Long Fang is like, Rrr! even though he kind of likes the thought of people speculating about his and Kui's relationship, man, Long Fang, the type of motherfucker to look up fan fiction of himself. Not something I thought I'd ever be saying, but here we are. But basically, our long boy doesn't want to do it because it could be really bad for their reputations, and he also hates himself for finding Kui attractive. So he like he kind of puts his hand on Kui's arm as an absent-minded gesture of comfort, but it just pisses Kui off because he's like, "All right, are you just trying to confuse me?" And Long Fang is like, "All right, bitch boy, you asked for it, you gonna get it." and makes out with him really hard. So Kui's like, oh my god, was I right? You, you do have fee-fees for me? But our lengthy lad declines to answer. So Kui gets like way too into it. He's like, oh daddy, keep going. It feels so good. And Long Feng, <laughs> he just rolls his eyes. He's annoyed, but he, he jerks off Kui anyway. And Kui offers to do him next, but Long Feng's like, Hmm, no, fuck off. And he just leaves because he's got issues, man. Long boy, you playing hard to get, aren't you? Man's got to work through his feelings. His fee-fees. I, I, I don't know why I started saying fee-fees, but I can't stop now. Um, anyway, I kind of like this one and their characterization, Kui's naivety, and Long Fang just sending all them mixed signals. Like, you do gotta wonder about his relationship with Kui, because he was manipulating him for years, and how separate his two faces are, his real self and the one he shows to King Kui. Oh, man. Me and the homies really out here, giving too much depth to the characters who showed up in, like, a total of three episodes. Speaking of giving too much depth to shallow-ass characters, I think it's time we talk about Fishboy, Admiral Zell, because me and the homies really do be out here giving him too much depth. Recently, me and my fandom buddies have been pretty into him, him and Yui to be specific, but we are not here to talk about him and Yue. We're here to talk about him and Yue's shitty fiance. So in the OG fandom, like back in the 2008 days, they would like crack ship Zhao and Han, which is Yue's shitty fiance who couldn't even remember Zhao's name. Uh, so while this, it's <laughs> so weird to say, this pic is more focused on Zuko's OnlyFans account. <laughs> Zuko's OnlyFans account. Not words I ever thought I'd be saying. Here we are again. <laughs> Uh, I thought I'd include it on the episode because of Han, uh, so <laughs> if you can tell from the phrase Zuko's OnlyFans account, it's a modern AU. Zhao has just been fired from his job at Ozai's company for embezzlement and he's depressed and broke. 
and his sugar baby Han has left him because Zhao no longer has the money to be a sugar daddy. Zhao is pretty sure that Han has just been calling him daddy because he doesn't remember his name anyway. So Zhao needs money because all shit's got repossessed. Extorting the company could be good, but it's about to go under anyway, so how much money is there going to be in that? He needs money too for his fish because, you know, those motherfuckers can't exactly repossess his koi pond that he has. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I should mention that I got The Sims recently and I created Zhao in it and I made his life aspiration to be a fisher. He's doing pretty good at it. He's at level eight. He caught some koi. I'm very proud of him. He also has a twink boyfriend in the simulation, so I've been having way too much fun with that. I also created Skinny P. But anyway, Zhao has been watching porn to pass the time because, you know, what else a man gonna do? He even starts reading the comments because his life is just so fucking down the drain. And some people are talking about cam boys. One of them recommends a certain individual, but some asshole is like, ew, he ugly, who has half their face burned off and thinks they can make porn for a living. And Zhao is like, could it be? <laughs> and he's remembering Zuko and how fun it was to tease him because of how angry he'd get. And that it was kind of weird that it was like, let him tease his kid. But like, also it would be good blackmail. Like homophobic Ozai, like finding out that his son touches himself to the delight of strange internet men. Let's do it, baby. Also, why does Zuko have a scar in the modern AU, you may ask? Well, Zao remembers Ozai saying something about a house fire. Same one that killed his wife. Hmm, that's suspicious. Did it kill your father too, Ozai? Well, it was at it. So Zao has to be sure that it's really Zuko, though, because I mean, the, the good stuff is hidden behind a paywall, you know, with pictures of his face. He's, what's, what's the harm of tuning into a stream, right? So... Oh my god, this the stream, that's like the bulk of the fic, but I'm really just skipping over it because I personally am having a lot of difficulty imagining Zuko as a seductive cam boy. He's just too socially awkward for that. He plays with like a bunch of toys on the stream, like there are wacky dildos. I didn't even know they made dildos out of class, but like, and what do they not make dildos out of? But this guy, G, who's a minor character on the show, he's on Zuko's ship in season one. He be dropping a fuckload of money. He's like Zuko's number one fan. Zhao finds out that he's enjoying himself quite a lot watching this happen. Um, and in fact, he enjoys himself so much that he's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't extort Ozai because what if he just forces Zuko to take everything down? He wouldn't want to cut such a promising career short. So he decides he has to move on and get a new job because Zuko's premium content is pretty expensive. A few weeks later, Han shows back up, tries to get back with Zhao. He even got a tattoo of his name to show his devotion. So Zhao lets him back in so we can have a look at it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Han got the wrong name tattooed on him, rip. Uh, and then we get a brief section from Zuko's perspective where he's unsettled by Zhao's presence on his OnlyFans. I'm sorry, I can't say Zuko's OnlyFans. I can't say Zuko's OnlyFans account without laughing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, he's unsettled by his presence on his OnlyFans because in our handful of private sessions, Zhao has mentioned some things from his life that he doesn't remember sharing on streams. 
So supportive boyfriend Sokka is there to tell him to block his ass. Uh, so there's that. Let me post only fans account. <laughs> I did love the details about Zhao and the canon to modern AU translations of his life and the Han parts were good, but I just can't picture Zuko as a cam boy. That's just not his personality. <sighs> so we're, we're coming up on the last fic now. The rule for the Rare Pairs series is that pairings don't get covered more than once, but but I, I'm gonna, I, I gotta make an exception for my garbage OTP, my two favorite cartoon dilves. People do be arguing, who's the hotter dilf, Dakota or Ozai, but I say, just ship them together because my brain is so big that it's leaking out of my ears, and also my meat is huge. I'm pretty flattered though that my fic inspired this one. I know I'm spreading the good word of the Lord. I gotta cover it. So this is a Cadden Divergence AU where Hakoda does not make it out during the Boiling Rock prison break. Everyone else does though. Uh, and Ozai summons him back to the palace. Why? Because it's horny bitch hours, of course. Dakota has been noticing that Ozai was into him since the first time he was in the palace, right after the invasion, and now the prison break just gives him an excuse to keep him close. And you know Ozai has plans for him. Probably of the horny variety, and he's eager to just get on with it already, because the waiting is killing him. It's not because he actually wants whatever Ozai's gonna do to him. Also, it cannot be overstated how much Dakota hates his fucking guts in this fic as it should be so far Ozai has just been sitting and creepily watching him while he eats and sleeps because my man really got nothing better to do uh there's one time where Hakoda's sleep talking about Bato so Ozai's like oh who's that and of course in this fic Bato and Hakoda have the big gay for each other so Okoda refuses to tell him because, like, what's he gonna do? Just keep holding him prisoner? It says that if Okoda gets let go, he could bring down Ozai's whole reign with the information that the Fire Lord bangs men? Which, somehow I doubt that, though, especially considering that situation with that homophobic Hungarian politician who got caught at a gay orgy and... I don't think anything ever happened with that. So I don't think that's a real threat anyway, but he is trying to puzzle out Ozai's behavior and he figures out that he wants a defiant man who will clash with him at every turn. That's really all he can be sure of right now. Oh, so let's get to this next scene, which is uh, Hakoda getting dragged on a romantic dinner date. Well, not actually, it would be a romantic dinner date if they didn't fucking hate each other. And Ozai gives him some funny wine. And don't worry, guys, he hasn't been date raped. Something much worse is actually gonna happen because there's a very powerful aphrodisiac in there. It is extreme horny time. So even through his extreme arousal, Koda manages to tell Ozai to go fuck himself. And Ozai's like, I bet you wish you could fuck me. Ozai has a little present for him, not his dick. It's Bato. Bato's in another cell. Now it's very important to remember that Bato is the only sane person in this fanfiction. Hakoda has horny brain disease, where instead of brain, he's just horny, and Ozai is just Ozai. So Bato is her voice of reason, and he's like, no, Hakoda, we can't have sex in front of the Fire Lord. But Hakoda's not gonna listen, he's too fucking horny. 
what was I want a performance? This is all Bato is really good for. So Bato and Hakoda are getting into it. Ozai's literally just vibing and watching them, and Hakoda realizes, oh wait, we need a little something. <laughs> this fucking freak. Ozai just pulls some lube out from his robes. <laughs> uh so Hakoda finds that he actually kinda likes being watched, or rather he he would like it. It wasn't the fucking Fire Lord, and he needs to get off fast before the aphrodisiac wears off, and he realizes how fucking insane this is. So he just nuts so hard that he sees Jesus, but his dick is still hard. And Bato's like, "Really, dude? How the fuck?" And it was like, cuts back in. He's like, "You two better keep going at it, unless you'd rather he fuck me instead." And that pisses Bato right the fuck off. But fortunately, Akoda is a master negotiator and arbitrator. And what do such skilled diplomats do in a time when tensions are about to break? Well, they get on their knees and they suck some dick. Whose dick? Ozai's dick. Ozai's dick. But Ozai's like, excuse me, bitch. Didn't give you permission. And just yeets him. And instead he goes after Bato and pins him up against the wall. And he fucking kills him! Because <laughs> of his- this is all part of his sick little game. So- yeah, naturally Hakoda goes absolutely fucking feral once Bato finishes dying in his arms, but this accomplishes nothing because Ozai is just, oh my god, this man. This man. So some more time passes and Hakoda gets taken to his bedroom and he's like, all right, bitch boy, I'm going to fucking murder you. I'm going to peel your skin off. But first tell me, what the fuck is it that you want from me? And Ozai, because he is an absolute bastard is like, well, what do, what do you think, Akoda? And Akoda's like, don't use my name. So when Ozai actually listens to him and calls him chieftain instead, he's like, oh, oh, oh shit, I see what he wants. So, oh, I'm so grateful for this every day. Uh, so Akoda literally has to fight to restrain him and get him all tied up to a chair with shit that he can't just burn through. Because guess what he wants? He wants what the rock upon all Wenshikistalicus smut is built. Now I try not to be too selfish with my rare pair of choices on this series, but I am covering this fic for me. 100% for me. Here is the quote. Here is what Ozai wants. You want me. <laughs> Okoda starts as he leans over Ozai's restrained form. He runs his hands down the Fire Lord's sides, his thighs, gripping them meanly and finally rubbing his still-clothed cock against Ozai's ass. He's only halfway hard because this isn't exactly his kind of thing. And Ozai has been causing him pain at every turn. And Okoda isn't Ozai. He doesn't get off the pain, whether it's giving it or getting it. You want me, Ozai. You heard how resilient I was at the invasion. You wanted me then. When you brought me here after our children tried to break me out of prison, you led me to believe. I was a pet you were keeping for your own pleasure. You gave me the aphrodisiac to throw me off, to make me think you wanted me to submit to you, that you wanted to fuck the leader of the Southern Water Tribe, some kind of sick power play fantasy. You brought Bato here to, to play with me, to piss me off, so I'd be angry enough to give you what you really wanted, though. Ozai struggles against his restraints, turning to look over his shoulder at Dakota. His eyes are still narrow, but Dakota can see the needing glint in his dilated pupils. You're still not answering the question. Dakota grips Ozai's hair again, some of the strands pulling up out but he barely notices it using his free hand he pushes his pants down and just enough to free his 
cock and rub it against Ozai's bare thigh. He chooses to ignore the hitch in Ozai's breath. You want to let go of all that tightly wound control. You want to be free of it. It plagues you being how you are, but you can't let go of it on your own. So you chose someone you knew could overpower you if they wanted it enough, and you made me want it enough. But who's to say I'll let you live now that I have you under my control? You wouldn't make it out of this palace with your life if you killed me, chieftain. Ozai snaps in response, but Dakota can sense the tiniest hint of lingering fear in his tone. Just fuck me and I'll let you go. The vulgarity from Ozai throws Dakota off a little because he doesn't expect a man to actually say what it is he wants. Little does Ozai know that he's broken Dakota so deeply that Dakota doesn't even care if he makes it out of this alive anymore. All he wants is Ozai's blood on his hands. Okoda can't help but let out a soft chuckle in Ozai's ear, scraping his teeth down the Fire Lord's neck. We'll see how much I care about living after I've made you my bitch. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, we'll see how much I care about living after I've made you my bitch. That is Mm, that is such a good line. Love seeing suicidal ideation combined with doming the fuck out of a powerful man. That is my kink. Can you believe? Can you believe I'm not the person who wrote this? Like, sure, I it was inspired by me, but can you believe someone else took it upon themselves to write about Kota fucking Ozai in the ass? I feel like I'm making a change here. Ozai really out here playing 40 chess because he can't just up and admit that he's a bottom. Love that. What a little bitch. Oh my god. So, Koda slides on in, and Ozai's like, Fucking me is a privilege that few have. And Akoda's like, Oh, so who else have you put into that tight little slutty little fat ass of yours? And we don't get an answer. And that is this big's biggest crime besides using the word orbs and being named after an MCR song. I'm not a fan of MCR. I never have been. Everyone in my high school was obsessed with them, but I never understood it. Anyway, they have violent sex. There is choking and hair pulling and dirty talk and Ozai moaning like a slut. It's delicious, actually. I'm very biased, but this is spicy as hell. You guys know I don't say that often. So Koda comes in his slutty little caboose and he moves in to kill him. But Ozai's like, why don't you give that a second thought? And Dakota's like, believe me, I've given that a lot of fucking thoughts. And Ozai, because his sluttiness in this fic is unparalleled to save his own life, agrees, get this, guys, agrees to end the war. <laughs> he knows he can't win. And if he dies, the war's just gonna continue under Azula anyway. But Ozai's like, um, well, can I have just a little more of you, Chieftain? If this is the last time I'll be seeing you. And Nakoda's like, how about you shut the fuck up and just throat fucks the living fuck out of him. And he, he, he says this, this is a direct quote. The Fire Lord, the most powerful person on earth, is a fucking cock whore. Absolutely pathetic. He really has a way with words. I love it. But yeah, anyway, Hakoda agrees that he'll come back for more if Ozai lets him go and ends the war, even though, oh, he wants to murder his ass so bad. Uh, and there's a little epilogue of him going back to the Fire Nation a year later. Ozai's still in the palace, but not necessarily ruling. Going way back to the first fic, I gotta wonder how their kids feel about this whole enemies with benefits scenario and how... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine learning. Imagine learning that the war ended because Ozai was just too horny for that sweet, sweet water tribe cock. 
Coda's cock is powerful. I've said it before. It can break through ice. If you'll remember from the first fic, I covered this pairing in the in the original Rare Pairs episode. Anyway, I sort of imagine Hakoda saying something like this. Kids, Zaka, Katara, I'm sorry, but in order to keep the peace, I have to fuck the Fire Lord in the ass. This is what he wants just as much as world domination. Yes, I, I know he killed your Uncle Pato or your stepfather i'm not really sure which one and yes i hate his guts and also i know it's kind of weird and incestuous because both of you are dating zuko now but it's a sacrifice that i have to make it's not as bad as it sounds though because i have to admit there's something very satisfying about watching that evil bastard choke on my cock and then covering his pretty little gay little face in millions of your potential siblings like, considering how they reacted in that Piandao fic, which of course was completely tame, they'd be horrified, and the author said that maybe there would be some bonus content. Honestly, that's the bonus content I want, just as much as I want more smut. So that's all I got. Maybe more Rare Pairs episodes in the future, uh, maybe with Legend of Korra characters. Next episode, I want to cover some Metalocalypse content because it's been a while since I did an episode on that show. So today we covered drinking, ranking old people, and being embarrassed by your dad by pretentious underscore procrastinator, Beneath the Trees by Zold Noveni, The Home I've Searched For by Kaya Surin, Any Means Necessary by 20 Minute Walk, the life-changing experience of a good cam boy by Okuz, and thank you for the venom by, I still don't know how to pronounce this person's username, Kasuteho? I, I don't fucking know, but they're a homie. So, uh, the bar is low is on Instagram. You can find us at the bar is low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us, you know what's coming up next. If you have a fix to suggest, feel free to get in contact with me. And if you want to drop a rating or review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. Not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. As always, I'm your pal, Wenchikistoticus. This is The Bar is Low. Thank you for joining me, and that's all for today.